Proverbs 4. Last week, we only focused on one verse. This week, we're taking a paragraph, starting in verse 20. Follow along as I read. It says this. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. And these next two verses are going to be kind of the main ones we focus on today. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. Then let all your ways, or sorry, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Today, we're learning that your heart is always traveling on a path to somewhere. And we're going to learn from a wise father in this passage today which path it's traveling on and how to tell how to get it right if you need to. The wise and the unwise path. First and foremost today, we're going to take time, number one, to take time to ponder. Remember that the context of this passage today is a wise father encouraging his son by saying, all of life comes out of the heart. Therefore, take care of your heart because your heart is going to kind of determine what path you end up on in life. The wise or the unwise. And those are those main two verses that we talked about a moment ago. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The first word that I want to look at in those two verses today is the word ponder. Now, if you take that word out of that passage and see it through all of Scripture, its main use is used in a weighing out of scales. This is to check in, in those days things that were maybe in balance, things that maybe had uh, imbalance, things that needed to be fixed, things that needed to be given more amounts, things that needed to have better priority given. Practically speaking today, we could say that this is saying make sure that you have balance or that you're given proper priority to the certain aspects of life spiritually. Second most uh, function, used function of this word is what I think applies to this passage more specifically today. And that is to make clear or straight a path. Practically speaking today, we're talking in the context of a father, a wise father, encouraging his son to take the wise path in life. And we get this idea of these two paths, the wise and the unwise path. And he's saying, ponder where your feet are going. He's saying, Make sure there's nothing out there that's going to make you stumble. Make sure that it's well lit. Make sure that it's being given full attention. Because some things in life are going to trip you up. You know, life seems to be sometimes this constant juggling act of multitasking. Sometimes when we're at the wheel of life, we can get busy, we get stressed. We get distracted. Think of maybe the story of Peter walking on the water here. And his eyes were focused on Christ, who was a walking miracle. 
and starts looking aside to the impossibility of the situation, the wind and the waves, he sank. Thankfully for him, he immediately knew who to call right back out to and got back on track with the Lord. But sometimes in life, we get distracted and our typical response in spiritual life is to kind of go on autopilot or, to, or, or for our eyes to get off focus from where they should be. Understand this, church. If you aren't focused on the direction you're heading, you'll no doubt end up off track at some point. If you aren't focused on the direction you're heading, you'll no doubt end up end up off track at some point. Sometimes we think that we can also in life avoid some negative consequences by just avoiding making a decision or avoiding taking action when something in life requires it. This doesn't work out well either. Kim and I were taking a trip this past summer. Uh, Someone close to us in North Carolina died and we went to his funeral. On the way back up, that trip requires us to drive around Washington, D.C. And if you've never been there, obviously uh, Washington, D.C. is the capital of the U.S. It's a big, busy place. There are lots of cars everywhere. And with it being uh, a busy center for them, there's lots of highways crisscrossing over, under, exiting off the right, exiting off the left, going every which way, lots of signs everywhere, lots of things to distract you. And because of that, I was on high alert, and I was making sure that we were not getting off track there. So because of that, I didn't get caught when at times there are actually more lanes of traffic leaving the main highway than the lanes that are left remaining to keep you on the highway you intend to be on. So I found myself at one point having to cross three lanes of traffic to get on a single lane that was the I-95 at one point. The I-95 is a huge highway, but three lanes were given to get off of it, one lane to stay on. And I was staying in the right as I was supposed to, and I had to get all the way across all those other lanes of traffic to make sure I was staying on course. Luckily, I didn't get caught off guard that time. But, lesson being here, if I wouldn't have made any decision at the point when I needed to, or taken action when I needed to, I would have actually been taken off course. And life can be like this sometimes. If we get on autopilot and we're not paying attention, spiritually speaking, sometimes the distractions and the things of life, there's more lanes leading off the main path than the one to stay on. If you're not paying attention or if you're trying to avoid some sort of circumstances so you avoid making a decision or taking action, you can actually be led off the path that you want to be on. Whatever your focus is in life, that is the path that you will head towards. This is a biblical principle that we can learn. Uh, I'm going to have a little slide up here to help illustrate it for you. It's that we become what we worship. You'll notice on the left-hand side, there's a guy there that has his focused gaze on Christ. Because of this, as we learned uh, last week, 2 Corinthians 3.18 teaches us that when we behold Christ for who he is, and in his glory, we will be transformed and be made like him. But we see on the right-hand side, this other person has a focus gaze on idols. And notice what this leads to. It will lead you in life to a hardness of heart. 
Psalm 115 is one of the passages given up there for the person who's fixated on the idols of their life. This is what that passage says. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Now notice this last part. Those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them. We learn a valuable principle here that we become whatever we worship. Whatever we are focused on most in life, that is what we will be led to become more like. If we are fixated on Christ, we'll become more like him. If we are fixated on the distractions of life, idols that we might have in life, then we'll be led to hardness of heart, we will not become who God has intended us to be. I believe it is Paul David Tripp that said this, whatever rules your heart rules your life. I mean, this phrase right here is almost one of the main reasons why we're speaking on the heart these past two weeks. Whatever rules your heart rules your life. And if Proverbs 4.23 is true, as we would believe the Bible to be, and all of life comes out of the heart, then whatever is ruling your heart then will tell you what direction your heart is traveling on. So the question today is this. Who or what is ruling your heart today? We'll get the next slide up. The heart is the target. Sometimes we tend to focus on the tip of the iceberg in life. In this case, it is what is above the surface, things that people can see. So our behaviors, our character, are the things that are above the surface. These are the things that we can see about our life. And just like that passage in uh, Samuel 16, verse 7, God said, man can see what's on the outside, but God has the ability to see at the heart level. We see down below the surface is the heart, but that's what makes up what comes above the surface, Right? That passage there is Proverbs 20 and verse 5, and it says this, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And that is the point of today's message, is that if we are going to follow the wise path that Solomon is encouraging us to be on, then we are going to try to be people of understanding and draw out what is the purpose of our heart, what path are we on. Today we'll see a a distinction between those two paths and what it looks like at the heart level. Number two, let's get into it. We see the unwise path. If we go one verse before our main passage of the day, we get to Proverbs 4 and verse 19. It says this, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Deep darkness. Can you imagine going down a path, there's no lights on, and when you trip, it's so dark that you can't even see what you're stumbling over. Now, the honest truth today is that many of us experience this in life. I know I have, still do at times. Question, what in the world is even going on with my life? Why do things not work out the way they should? Why did that relationship not work out the way it could have? 
part of that job opportunity not go the way I thought it was going to go? Sometimes if we're on autopilot, we don't even know what we're tripping over in life. In my trip to the States with the family, we got around Washington, D.C., made that all clear. And as you get on a highway that cuts through Maryland, you get on a smaller highway that still allows you to go what I would say is a good speed, 70 miles an hour. That's about 120, so right where I like it. And because you're in the middle of nowhere in Maryland, though, no traffic, hardly any signs, no turnoffs. At this point, I took a sigh of relief because I had nothing else to worry about for the trip. Turns out that would be the last sigh of relief that I had on that trip. A couple hours go by, and I start to realize that we are not where we're supposed to be anymore. I got talking to Kim. This is one of my main faults when I get in the car sometimes. I don't realize what's all around me. Got talking to Kim. The kids were watching... Cloudy with a chance of meatballs or something like that, and they played it through the car speakers, so I couldn't hear the GPS. And I realized that we had missed an exit somewhere. So I pull out the GPS, and our eight-hour trip from North Carolina to Pennsylvania for the day had become a 10-hour trip. Our arrival time of 9.30 p.m. just became 11.30 p.m. And I realized that if I turned around and went back, it was actually going to take longer on in the trip. Turns out that pressing on the trip, the GPS doesn't tell you this, but it turns out that it was the mountain pass through the Appalachian Mountains for that trip, and it was late at night. As we started climbing up into the Appalachian Mountains, sun was already going down, started getting dark. As I was approaching the mountains, heavy rain started pouring so hard that the rain hitting the pavement was coming back up and making more mist the windshield, and we were doing mountain switchbacks, about 30 kilometers an hour, and that was probably faster than I should have been going through. Mountain switchbacks were so tight, there was no shoulder, there was literally rock wall straight here, and then a guardrail right there, but it was too dark to see what was on the other side of the guardrail. There, there, was, a, there was very, there was small, like, no margin of error at all, had to be very careful pouring rain, and I'm climbing an elevation, and now the fog and the clouds are coming together as I get higher up in the mountain. Not the trip that I wanted to have on the already long trip. But you see, one thing that I kept saying, and Kim could probably attest to this, one thing I kept saying the whole way through the rest of the trip was, I just don't even know where I went wrong. I didn't know where I missed my exit. And that kind of reminded me of Proverbs 4.19. Way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know over what they stumble. Spiritually speaking, sometimes we get like this in life, though, don't we? Sometimes we get focused on other things in life that maybe feel urgent, but they're not the most important thing. And then because of that, we wander onto the wrong path in life. Losing focus, spiritually speaking, happens almost first and foremost when we make what's known as the worst exchange. And we see that worst exchange in Romans chapter 1, verses 23, or 22, 23, and then also we'll go a bit into verse 25. It says this, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And watch this exchange. 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And then into verse 25, the back half. They exchanged, watch that word again, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped, watch this, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. We will always end up on the unwise path of life. We give more of our heart, focus, time, attention, and worship to something that is created rather than the creator of all things. David's trip again that said this, creation will never save or satisfy. Creation was only ever made to point you to the creator. If we are ever giving more of our heart, focus, attention, love, desires, everything to things that are created, we'll veer off path at some point. When this happens, it's the equivalent of what happened in Jeremiah 2 and verse 13. We have another slide for you up there. Here's what that passage says. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. You'll see that on the left of the graphic. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Those are those little holes in the ground there. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Just so you fully understand, a cistern is not like a well. A cistern was literally like an underground holding tank. They would dig it out. It's the modern equivalent of what maybe like a rain barrel would be for you at your house today. Runoff water could go down in there, and the context of this writing, they're in the desert. Water equals life in a dry climate. So cisterns were an important part of life. And God is saying to them, you've turned your back on me, a never-ending source of fresh, life-giving water, and you've made for yourself broken cisterns that will hold no water. Have you ever gone to the beach, and instead of wanting to go in the lake with everybody else, you made your own little pond, your own little swimming pool up in the sand, and you started digging and digging and digging? I did this as a kid. I learned a hard lesson. You can dig all you want, but once you start pouring water in, it's going to leach out. You don't get to have your own swimming pool uh, that nobody else gets to enjoy at the beach. I was a kid when I did that, right? Like last month or something. <laughs> I'm hopefully not that selfish anymore. This is the picture that the Lord gives us here. When we worship creation rather than the creator in life, when we look for satisfaction and life in anything else, purpose, meaning, and anything other than Jesus Christ himself, it will leave us lacking and wanting. Only Jesus himself is the fountain of living waters. There's no reason to turn our back on him. It's like that song we sang today, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The alternative. Well, I'm going to find my satisfaction in my job. I'm going to find my purpose and meaning in my relationship status. I'm going to find my purpose and meaning in what people say about me online. I'm going to find my happiness in dominoes. No, my favorite. I'm going to find my purpose and meaning 
and my children and live vicariously through them. There's a bunch. The question is, what cistern do you have for yourself today? Let's zoom out. See what this unwise path looks like, practically speaking, with the three parts of the heart. We're going to isolate each part. So if you today are at the throne of your heart, and life is all about you, life is all about self, then I can tell you today from the scriptures that sin will influence every part of your life. And it might look a little bit like this. When sin is let into your thinking, look in the top left corner of the heart, when sin is let into your thinking, because you're living for yourself, that means you're going to be focused on yourself. So when you're focused on yourself, how do you think about God? What's that look like for you? When you're focused on yourself, how do you think about yourself? When you're focused on yourself, how do you think about others? focus on yourself, how do you think about your life circumstances? But the next corner of the heart, the desires. Your desires, if you're, if you're putting yourself at the throne of your life, then that means you're going to value yourself the most. So it's all about what you want. If you're valuing yourself the most, what do you want for God? What do you want for yourself? When you're valuing yourself most, what do you want for others? For the circumstances of your life. What does that look like for you? Think in your mind. And lastly, if you're being completely dominated by yourself, what does that look like for your will? That means you're going to be completely committed to yourself and your choices. So when you're committed to yourself, what are you going to choose about God and God's time and his kingdom? When you're committed to yourself, what are you going to choose for yourself? you choose for others? What do you choose about the circumstances of your life? So what happens when each, for each part of our heart, when we let ourselves and sin influence us? If any of you just filled in any of the blanks from the questions I asked in a way that I'm kind of thinking, then you'd understand that seem to live out of our own hearts or selfish desires and motives a good chunk of the time. That's not a fulfilling, wise path to be on in life. Lastly today, let's then focus on the wise path and what that looks like. So even though my trip to the States didn't go as well as I would have liked, one thing remained constant and the same throughout the whole trip. And this is something I'm really thankful for. I'm glad that Kim was by my side the whole time. No matter how good it was, no matter how bad, at least we were together. That was most important for me about the whole trip anyway, is that we were doing something together. You know, spiritually speaking, life can be the same way. What matters most to us should be that we are doing life side by side with the Lord. You know, if Kim and I wanted to go on that trip together, 
this is going to be really profound now, so get ready to get your, you know, blown off here. Yeah. In order to travel that trip together, we had to travel the same direction on the same path at the same time. Super profound. I know some of you are tired this morning. I've seen some nodding off today, but hopefully all of you, even the sleepy ones today, got that one. If you want to travel a path with somebody, you have to go the same direction, same path, same time. And then you get to be with that person. Spiritually speaking, you need to do the same thing with the Lord. If you want to do the wise path in life, you need to find the Lord and follow him in the same direction that he's going in life. Remember John 14, 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Some of the stuff I'm talking about today, it might be a little complex. You might be thinking, okay, well, how do we actually live life with this healthy heart on the wise path? And what are you even talking about? At the very least, I understand it might be a process. But at the very least today, understand that if you don't know the way to the wise path, you just have to know who to follow. Following Jesus will get you there. Let's visualize what the heart looks like, the three parts of the heart, if God is at the throne of your heart, if God is your guiding force and your purpose and your source of life in all of life, what does that look like, spiritually speaking? When you're thinking, the top left corner of the heart, what does it look like when God is totally leading? Well, that would mean that your focused gaze would have to be on him. When you're focused on God, how do you think about God? Maybe he's no longer the genie in the bottle. Maybe he's no longer the one you're mad at for not getting what you want in life. Maybe he's the good, good father. Maybe he's worthy of all praise when you're thinking about God and you focus on him. When you're focused on God and you're thinking, how do you think about yourself? Maybe you'll not beat yourself up so much anymore. Maybe you'll not think too highly of yourself anymore. Maybe you'll know your place as you're a child of God. That he loves you deeply. That he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to follow him on that wise path. When I'm focused on God, how do I think about others? Maybe there's not an assumption made that the idiot who cut you off is just an idiot to everybody. Maybe it's thinking the best about a person like that when you're focused on God, and I sure hope everything's okay. Maybe they're on their way to the hospital. So I don't need to honk for 30 seconds or until the horn air actually runs out. Maybe the way you'll think about your life circumstances when you're focused on God is, wow, I'm thankful for what I've got. I didn't do this by my own effort. God, you blessed me. Or maybe it's, this is really hard right now. But God, I know you'll get me through. Go to the other side of the heart. When you're thinking about your desires and God is ruling that area of your heart, 
Is you're valuing God most. So what do you want with God when you're valuing him most? What do you want for yourself most in life when you're valuing God? What do you want for others in life when you're valuing God? What do you want for the circumstances of your life when you're valuing God? And lastly, the will. This means you are committed to God, to your choices. So what do I choose for God and his kingdom when I'm totally focused on him? What do I choose for myself in my life while I'm totally focused on him? What do I choose for others? What do I choose for my life circumstances? Once again, Tripp said this. He said, your life will either be enhanced or victimized by what your heart treasures. Your life will either be enhanced or victimized by whatever it is your heart treasures question today. You want to know what direction you're heading? You want to know what path your heart is on? First of all, the Lord has said, keep your heart healthy. Hold life close to him. Then he'll said, ponder what direction you're going. What path are you on today? Remember that transformation doesn't just come from you trying harder. It comes when we focus on Christ and behold him in his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, time does not allow me to get fully into all the details of this stuff. If you're interested in more of the things that you've been hearing about today and last week, I'd encourage you to keep your eyes and ears open for whenever we get to start some of our soul care classes here at the church and sign up for them. And you'll get to go through some of these things in more detail. But at the very least today, if you don't know how to get started on some of this stuff, I want you today to consider the heart of David as he wrote Psalm 139. He said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. To close today, I want everybody to look back at Proverbs 4. We're going to go back to where we started. <clears throat> Remember that the context of this passage is a loving and wise father teaching his child to keep his heart healthy so that all of life flows from it and keep on the wise path. Today, for our final little exercise here, I want you to visualize yourself as the child in this passage. And the loving and wise Father is our Heavenly Father saying these words to you. It's urging you to follow him on the wise path. Follow along as I read. My son, in this case, my child, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. 
Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put Jesus' talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot Dear Lord, there is so much in your word here to unpack, and, and there's no way I could even do it all in these past two weeks. But Lord, I, I know there are many things left unsaid. But Lord, at the very least today, would you create a hunger and thirst for you in the hearts of everyone here today? Lord, would we seek after you? Lord, we can't go your way unless we follow you on your way. So teach us to follow you, Lord. Help us to keep our heart, to protect it, to guard it, to nourish it, and to keep it with all vigilance. Lord, that means to give it all our first priority. The most important thing we could do, Lord, is keep our heart. Why? Because all of life will spring forth from it. Lord, help us to behold you in your glory. Transform us, Lord, as we behold you. Help us to put you on the throne of our heart. Would you be our guiding force, Lord? Would you help us to fix our gaze to you? and trust that you will transform us in due time in your way. Lord, help us not to stumble down the path thinking that we need to do it by trying harder. Lord, we are way too flawed. Help us, Lord, to simply behold you in your glory, trusting in you and you alone. You and you alone, you're the one who saved us, and you, you and you alone, Lord, are the one who will mature us. You are the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. Thank you for the work you have begun. Thank you for the work you are doing. And thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, the work that you will continue to do. In Jesus' name.